Welcome, everyone. Looks like we still have uh, people ar arriving. Uh, so let's uh, sit for a few minutes. Um, it's a lovely way to welcome people, to provide a space of stillness and silence <clears throat> and steadiness.
some of you might not be familiar with when we invoke the rogue chant and we were in the zendo put the rakasu on my head and then let's do the verse of the robe vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction wearing the universal teaching i realize the one true nature thus harmonizing all being vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction wearing the universal teaching i realize the one true nature thus harmonizing all being vast is the robe of liberation a formless field of benefaction wearing the universal teaching i realize the one true nature thus harmonizing all being <clears throat> I engage in just a little more ritual because this week begins uh, a series of uh, rituals and services um, uh, for the 21 days that initiates this final aspect of Dharma transmission. Uh, so it's, uh, and this room is one of the rooms in which I'm doing many of the vows uh, and chants and uh, in fact you can see right behind me one of the altars <clears throat> um, and so I thought it would be um, a good idea to wear the rakasu or the the, the small uh, Buddha's robe as we engage uh, inquiry today I'm going to uh, share my screen and move through just uh, about a dozen series of, of images and, and teachings because I think it's, it would be easier for you to receive them uh, and the prompt that I want to encourage for your practice. Um, if, you could, if you could visualize some of what uh, I want to speak about. This isn't a uh, you know, a big, big presentation. That's not the point because in inquiry, we're offering prompts for you to reflect deeply on your own practice, ask questions and share aspects of your practice, which are encouraging for each other. But there is <clears throat> a pretty big question right now, which we're uh, engaging. So if you'll allow <clears throat> just a moment, I'm going to share my screen. So this is a very big question and one that's very intimate for us right now and, and very powerful. And I don't suppose that I'll attempt to answer this question fully or for us to go into issues of, you know, world politics or those things that uh, we're unable to to answer or impact mightily in this time but I want to to bring us together around um, what the Buddha said when he was asked this question what was his response and it's important to consider that the response touches on both the, the basic human condition who we are and what it means to be a human because we seem to bump into each other and have troubles, and also the context that we live in, the, the larger sphere uh, in which we humans find ourselves. So what, what did the Buddha say? Well, briefly, he spoke about why he thought monks in his community and his students, why they would fight or be in conflict. And basically, condensing uh, his response from the Pali Canon, he said, they fight because of attachment to views. 
adherence to views, fixation on views, addiction to views, obsession with views, and holding firmly to views. So all of them are pointing in a very focused direction that conflict seemed to come around um, certain kinds of views, which I would call in a, a religious or spiritual session, setting beliefs. And you know that in this world, among many of us, that we find ourselves in conflict because we want it my way. We think my way is the best. And this begins to set up walls or divisions and because of the way um, we cling to our views. I've mentioned in the past the poem of the third ancestor, the Xin Shen Ming from 7th century China. There's a line in the middle of that poem that says, don't keep searching for the truth, just let go of your opinions. So there's something about softening here that is that's important. And the Buddha said monks fought because of of the way in which they related to views and beliefs. And once again, in some ways caught in the self-centered dream. He also said that ordinary people, not people in the monasteries, not his monks, ordinary people like me, standing in my lovely Armani coat in a beautiful museum in Paris, it's a good situation. Humans fight because of their attachment to sensual pleasure, adherence to sensual pleasure, fixation. The same list, but he emphasized for ordinary people their inordinate and unending striving for personal happiness. Of course, everyone wants to be happy. And I think the translation of the words into sensual pleasure suggests a certain kind of, um, of, of energy that he's speaking to that caused people to fight. But, you know, in the end, it's the same with the monks. We, I, I want it my way, not some other way, not your way, not the, the earth's way, not, not a way that causes me suffering. So, what in the world are we supposed to do with teachings like this? It's very important to remember, and I want to make sure this is clear, that the Buddha did not say, avoid sensual pleasures. It's one of the great things about having a body, is that there's the possibility for joy and pleasure, uh, for noticing uh, things that we come in contact with, which bring us the greatest uh, happiness. He didn't say to avoid these things. Um, it's a bit like um, I've recommended recently, some of you take a look at uh, DeWitt Jones' um, TED Talk in which he talks about celebrating what's right with the world. And he says very clearly, I'm, I'm not saying this as a Pollyanna, that everything is okay, but the nourishment and the beauty and the inspiration that comes with the beauty in the world helps us, helps us move with a greater uh, uh, sort of nourishment and resilience. He also, the Buddha also didn't say, refrain from having views. Uh, I'm offering you one now, in a way, and so did the Buddha. The, the joy of having a body and having a mind which can discern and understand things is human aliveness, fully functioning. So the Buddha was not suggesting that. I think what he was suggesting is that it's important for us to pay attention to our habits and automatic patterns because those automatic patterns and habitual behaviors and thoughts and ways of orienting ourselves physically in an embodied way in the world, it's like a program that gets put on automatic and we begin to go to sleep and they play themselves out and the automatic nature of our habit patterns and our failure to have our attention on them is what causes merry mayhem 
um, and some of why we we tend to fall into these patterns, which are which are quite painful. On in both cases, he used the same uh, list. Whether he was talking about striving for happiness or clinging to beliefs, and that list had something to do with the way that we get caught in the self-centered dream, which we're going to chant at the end, holding self-centered thoughts. And that causes us to have an orientation where we have to defend something or fight against something or claim something or reject something. Uh, that we get caught in these patterns which end up being uh, fighting. Two contemporary teachers, <clears throat> which I'll speak about in a minute, say that, you know, we, we all live with vulnerability and uncertainty. Everybody knows this. This is what we're finding even more powerfully these days as we simply watch the news, live our lives, age. Uh, because we are becoming more and more intimate with the reality of impermanence and our fragile constructed identity and this contingent existence, especially when we can see everything in the whole world happening all at one time. And this is just the human condition. The image, by the way, I felt kind of reflected this. Um, there are these large glass globes, which some of you have seen, which were used especially in um, fishing vessels, often Japanese fishing vessels that are were floats for the nets. And sometimes they wash up on the beach. And there's quite a large one in the garden at Hui Holana, just down the road. And one day I walked by it, and when I looked at it, I saw what was my image somehow reflected in the glass. But also it looked like my image and a Buddha. And this is the human condition. There's all the flaws and scars and bubbles and the imperfection of the glass in this perfect sphere. And it includes both the ordinariness of my humanness and also the perfection of the Buddha nature, which we all contain in this, this human condition that we're coming to relate to in our, in our practice. So Joanna Macy, some of you know her work, and David Lloyd, both very engaged Buddhist teachers. What do we do in response to adherence and attachment and clinging, these things that the Buddha was focusing on. When we meet life, how do we respond to it habitually? Joanna Macy says, usually through explanation, prediction, and control. These are our uh, top three favorites, trying to explain the world, predict it, control it. And some of those functions are, are quite useful in their place, but to deal with the existential realities, the deep nature of the human condition, it doesn't go far enough. David Loy, in his uh, work, says that we end up trying to controlling and fixating the world we're in, or we're trying to get it to be our way, trying to make it stop, not change, not impact us the way it impacts us. Joanna Macy says the alternative would be to, to practice so that you can begin to touch and soften into a profound acceptance of life as it is. Not surrender in some passive way and just lie down, but to realize oh, oh, this is the way it is. How can I respond to it appropriately? And in fact, David Loy says an option would be opening to the world instead of closing down. These are things that you know. In some ways, it's a decision that we make between fear of our actual life and, and love or, or a more open way of being in the world. And I thought their teachings were, were, were useful <clears throat> to, for appreciation, Joanna Macy saying, and for opening that David Loy is suggesting. I've taught in the past from our ancestor Dogen Zenji um, that the mind of awakening has 
a quality of intimacy with all things. And Unman, a few centuries later, says the quality of awakening has to do with being able to respond appropriately in the world and to meet the world. And so in some ways, these old teachers from the 13th and the 17th century are speaking about a fundamental kind of appreciation of our lives and an opening to it rather than fighting, which then ends up in our fighting each, each other. And this list that the Buddha gave us, we soften our attachments. Maybe we could just learn to appreciate what's in front of us in some way. Instead of adherence to some view or belief, maybe we get open. And on we go. Without fixation, there's a deep appreciation. As our addictions fade, we open uh, to the reality of life without being quite so obsessed and turn to appreciation and relaxing that firm grip we open again. It's like breathing in and out. And as we do, I think there's a possibility of a deep um, generosity and gratitude that go hand in hand. This image from a, a temple in Tokyo where people would come and not only offer incense, but also their, their offerings at the beginning of the temple. Uh, because we do make Zendo offerings. When we come into the Zendo to sit, we offer our body, our time, our energy, our attention. We offer support and care for each other. This is the, the contained practice offering, which helps us understand these qualities of why we, why we fight so we can meet the human condition in a way that opens it to some generosity instead of being closed down. This is the, the Zendo offering. But then stepping out in the world, we have our street offering, how I call it. It doesn't have to be in the street. It could be in your kitchen, on your porch, in your school, workplace where we take these things into the world, into this world full of turmoil, and hopefully make a difference, at least in a life or our lives. That's my own teacher, Blanche Hartman, leading a protest in San Francisco, that these two things need to go together. It's the, it's the DNA, it's the double helix of being able to understand from a practice perspective, once again, not a necessarily a large sociological or political perspective, from a practice perspective, if we can see more clearly and meet suffering more skillfully, there's an opening and an appreciation of what it means and in the image that you're seeing, you see the, uh, the Kuan Yin, that pose is called royal ease, the royal ease pose. And we can find a way to, in the midst of things, to be at ease and still sometimes call forward the fierce action that might be required somewhere in the image of Blanche behind, behind that statue. All of it is required. How do you fight? How do you fight yourself? How do you fight with others? And some reflections for our inquiry. Do you find that you subtly or more explicitly demand that life be different? You may not think of it that way. But ask the question, are you demanding by your very uh, nature or by your behaviors that, that life should not be this, this way. Or maybe you find that you're just terrified really at some level that life is unworkable. As you look at what's happening on the news, when you um, see what's happening in your own home or your own state or city or town, 
is, is there, are things becoming unworkable? Is it, uh, is it workable here with me and the people that I uh, relate to? Or do we kind of bury our head and say, I just, I quit, I refuse to face life as it is? Because these are the enactment of the three poisons of greed, hate, and delusion, of attachment, clinging for dear life, for uh, or pushing away and rejecting, or going into confusion and not willing to face things. And these are larger questions that take much longer than that we're spending right now, but I want them to be what we reflect on today, not talk about the world situation. Uh, that's easy to do. Once again, like I spoke about last week, you can play Ain't It Awful forever, but it's not going to help us. How are we going to practice deeply so that we can meet what's right in front of us in our own world in a way that has a different feeling about it? Not that everything is just hunky-dory, it's not, but can we find a way to open? So what are your practices which help you open? And what are your edges? Where, where do you find the edge in your practice? And what are your practices that help you appreciate your life? And what are those edges? Because those edges are where the Buddha said uh, we would fight. So I hope that, I know this, this may seem like a little bit of a, a lot, but it's really quite, uh, quite simple. And I wanted you to take a look at it in this way so you might follow it maybe more graciously. Um, this can echo uh, quite, quite deeply. So if you have questions about some of the questions that I offered you, or you have reflections that uh, you want support in, um, I'd like for you uh, to, to bring them forward. And you don't have to have some, um, you know, beautifully formed this or that. But if something is actually meaningful to you right now and moving in you, um, please bring it. And I see Joan has raised her hand. There you go. Well, uh, as probably everyone here, I've been dealing with these things. And um, I, at some point, just decided we are such a flawed species and um, such a, you know, um, violent uh, species. And we've got a lot of things going against us. <clears throat> this um, consciousness that gets us being self-centered and able to, unable to break out of it to a bigger view. And what it has done has given me such a deep appreciation for the Buddha and his wisdom. And when I was thinking, I've, you know, I've always had problems accepting that it was important just to sit, that just sitting was an important contribution. Yeah, what the and, heck? <laughs> just yeah. Like nothing. Yes. And, and when I thought about this flawed species that I'm a part of, I thought, just getting this species to be sitting gets us to be doing no harm. And what a tremendous contribution to this earth that is. Absolutely. And while it is occurring, it allows us to get a bigger perspective, a perspective bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I am just continue to be in awe of um, the teachings and and so so deeply grateful is there there's someone or some situation recently that has been quite um beautiful loving kind or tender to you and you don't even have to recount the exact thing but have you had these experiences oh oh definitely yeah and so Remember that as flawed as we are, there's also that, that we're spectacularly creative and beautiful. Yes, that, and, and resilient. Yes, and but in the same mind and the same heart and the same body that makes humans the 
remarkable species that we are means that those same minds and bodies and hearts are powerful in all ways. And we just have to come to terms with that uh, so that we can uh, move with a little more wisdom, a little more compassion, with a little more royal ease, but fiercely if need be. And the acceptance, I think, that we're flawed rather than fighting against it. And the acceptance of the fact that we're quite amazing and beautiful without just relying on it opens us even further. And that's what you're uh, beginning to point to, I think. And so I appreciate that. And Joel's uh, Dharma talk two Sundays ago, it, I didn't get it at the time, but it came to me later. He started out with a story who's about a person whose name I don't remember, who was so good at doing everything and people kind of counted on him to mm -hmm. fix things, but he could not stop war. And so Joel started with that. And then the main part of his Dharma talk was a beautiful photographic um, display of what our Zendo is like. And then we saw the care that had been taken with the mm -hmm. Zendo, how organized everything was. And it was such a magnificent juxtaposition of the warring side of us that is breaking down everything it can. And then the other side of us that is carefully putting everything in place. And they both exist simultaneously. And if the care, which is the essence of Apamata, is at the core, then even if things fall apart more dramatically, our job is to continue to care for each other and everything, no matter what. To keep caring. Thank you. <laughs> Greetings from cold Hawaii. Um, would would you be so kind as to talk some more or provide some more in-depth explanation of what you mean by edges? In your presentation, you said to appreciate and then to be aware of when you come to your edges. Um, what, what is that? What does that mean more specifically? Yeah, what, what I mean or what I'm alluding to and pointing to, or as you, I know you're a dedicated practitioner. You care about these things, you practice these things for a long time. And as you engage your uh, meditation or your study and reading or your uh, engaged practice of photography, where do you start to come to the edge, the end, the limit of what you understand or can do or can tolerate, or where it starts to get fuzzy and challenging. If, if our practice is to allow us to become a larger and larger container for life energy, so that that life energy can, because it's powerful, it can flow through us without too much hindrance. Where are the eddies and the turmoil and the places where it's bound up and gets, and then it's like, oh, that's a place I'm not able to go very easily or I'm unwilling to go or I'm terrified of going. These are some of the edges that, that I'm talking about. And is that where uh, the practice, the awareness of um, meeting those types of edges and those circumstances um, head on without expectation, um, obviously without judgment to try and, and and see those things uh, from a perspective um, of care and awareness. Uh, is, is that the, the path or the, the step that you take to deal with that? Yeah, and that's why I'm just saying that it's when you reach that, instead of just fighting against it mm. or pulling away from it or ignoring it, can you open and appreciate it? Those two words okay. said, what, what is this? What can I do? This is this is something I'm not, I don't know what to do with, or I'm afraid of, or I've always met, and I've had now an automatic conditioned response to handle rather than move through. Because what the Buddha is basically saying is, 
everything is workable. That doesn't mean it's solvable to fit my expectations, but it's workable. And that's a different perspective. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I like that distinction that everything is workable, not solvable. And yeah. Um, yeah, that openness and that appreciation, which also I think ties into not ignoring or not identifying um, if something comes up and it's scary. Um, recognize that it's scary, but don't shrink away from that or don't let that scariness close the door or stop the open the openness or the appreciation. Or if you do, because here's another edge. Mm -hmm. If you do shrink away or you do fight or you do try to negotiate, that's the edge. It's like, oh, I'm going to open and appreciate to the part of me that does that. Okay. Everything is included. Otherwise, it's easy to get into duality of this is the right way to do it and this is the wrong way to do it. Yeah. It's, it's very slippery right there at that edge. Yeah, it's a nice rank at that edge. Yeah, but it's common. And I'm just making, you, you were saying it so clearly. I wanted to make sure we went even further. Okay. And, and every one of your reactivities, which do, does cause suffering, is the next edge to include because your Buddha nature, your big mind, your big heart does include all of that. And that's also what gets us to those things that were um, in the Jabron poem that you read last week about, um, I guess, being able to watch with serenity through through the winters um, yes. of your grief and to know that um, you can have joy um, you know, in the, in the wondrous miracles, as well as the pain that life is going to present to you. And why we were making that distinction between joy and happiness. Yes. It's a, it's a joy that is beyond just my personal preference. It's a, it's a saying, yes, it's a leaning into the world and in a way that meets it, it fully. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Great questions. It's really helpful. Hi, Bunny. You said cold Hawaii, but I bet it's colder in Madison. <laughs> yes, but we have fresh snow. It's That's what I heard. It snowed yesterday. Huh? Yeah, lots. It's beautiful. Good. And a perfect temperature, I might add, for winter. Um, so this morning, I had a chance to uh, be spend time with a woman um, who I have not connected with for probably three, four years at least. But she is someone who uh, was brought to Kim to be with Kim around uh, Fred's passing. Mm -hmm. And when Kim shared something with her, uh, she instantly knew it was me. And when Kim told me about her experience with this person, I knew who it was. So we reconnected. But what brings me to share today is that She said many times when she was with Kim, she could feel how we held Kim, how we are holding Kim. Mm -hmm. And how, um, how beautiful and broad that was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I brought tears, you know, I sort of responded to it. Um, it's there and, now. Yeah. And, and what came to, so she said, what's happening? That sort of, you know, a la point, you know, like what's happening? And, and I said, um, practice matters. Our practice really matters. And, you know, we don't practice to prepare for, and yet we do practice to prepare for so that we can meet and um everything everything anything anything because that's what we're going to get right and to you know i know that from inside sanka but to experience it from someone who's not a part of sanka mm -hmm. who only just met kim mm -hmm. it was like oh yeah it it's really matters in ways that we don't even know. Right. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that the image of that little boy that I showed at the end, mm -hmm. that beautiful little Hawaiian boy, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know about his family situation really, or I, I was at in a, in a home where he lived and they were in a very ordinary means and it was a beautiful, but his joy uh, and his curiosity and his calling me forward to show me things. Uh, there, there's something about that that quality that we can reconnect with and remind ourselves of and in because we see it here's a little practice example from a young one or from an older one it's it's all around us if we want to see it and that's the beauty and i'm as staggered and brought to my knees by the beauty and kindness as i am by the the horror and the sickening things that i also see and the, the willingness to be staggered and brought to one's knees with its, the overwhelming joy and amazement and inconceivability of what it means to have a life, which includes some of those difficult things, is probably useful. And that's why it's really good to sit down for a while. <laughs> and we see it flowing among us like a, like a river, finding its yeah. way. And I always appreciate what a what an open channel you are for those things because you let them flow through you so fully. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Flint, for your generosity and your teachings and your wholehearted being. Thank you. I hope to be able to hug you soon. Oh, I know. I can't wait. Well, weeks. I guess I will wait, but <laughs> that's the way we say it. Right. There you are. Hi. Hi, Clint. Hi, Emma. Um, I'm not really sure um, how to articulate it or what I want to say, really, but um, I have a, a real challenge with conflict, and there's a situation in my life right now which has felt quite conflict-inducing around my children, so there's kind of fierce mama energy around mm -hmm. there, but there's also a swing in the other direction of kind of collapsing energy. Um, I had to go to a meeting today and I had something that I've heard Trudy say a lot in my mind as a mantra, which was strong back, soft belly, open heart. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've embodied that in any way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> but that was certainly you remembered it <laughs> yeah i remembered to say it to myself and that was my intention and there's something about the juxtaposition of those two images that you showed that um the Kuan Yin one the the royal ease mm -hmm. and that fierce action and and it's something about holding both of those simultaneously that i i can't i can't i don't know <laughs> This is where I lose my words. So what I hear underneath it is an aspiration. Yeah. To hold them together. Yeah. You can, you can recognize the, the strong back, the, the fierce uprightness. And you mm -hmm. can recognize the soft belly, the royal ease. Mm -hmm. You recognize that you can bring wisdom and compassion. It's beginning to hold them together so here's the here's the secret not about holding them together but they're not they're not two things okay they're actually one thing seen from two perspectives okay yeah you're sometimes one comes to the fore and maybe one and, and practice helps with that they're not two different things and they're the essence of actually your true nature. When we're not too caught up and not too distracted. And so when you said, oh, there's something clicked a little bit there. Yeah, it really did. Because what I felt quite bodily is a swinging between, you know, like a, like a back and forth. Right. Is your breath an inhalation or an exhalation? Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> it requires both, doesn't it? Mm. The taking in of the world and the responding to it. Mm. 
and the one of the sort of lubricants for that <laughs> that movement is deep deep forgiveness of yourself as an imperfect human being this is for everyone not just you yeah, do do your best that touches something yeah yeah for sure because i've always got that striving to want to get it right and reprimanding for getting it wrong <laughs> right and that's another back and forth but a polarity that pulls apart instead of a polarity that pulls together yeah and of course you have an aspiration you want to be the best mother you can and to get it right of course yeah and you want to be able to get information that corrects if you're off course of course yeah. those are the wholesome aspects of those two polarities yeah if they're not caught in the inherence fixation of, you know the things we were talking about so you're you're right on the perfect edge here yeah your your kids are fierce teachers and they're meeting fierce mama energy yeah. and there's that wouldn't be happening if there wasn't a lot of love yeah. thank you you're welcome there thank you, you. Hi, Flint. Hello. I'm Genevieve. Where are you coming from? Maine. Maine, okay. And I'm very much a novice at all of this. Uh, I really appreciate okay. you sharing your time and energy and insight with us. I, I feel that you're doing it in a very loving way. And it really, I really feel it. Wonderful. And you're meeting um, at least some of my aspiration, like we were just talking about. <laughs> How did you find us? Q. I, I used to live in Austin for 20 years and Q oh. posted on Facebook, you know, and I hadn't been on Facebook for months and I happened to be on that day. I happened to see that post. I happened to be in the middle of transformation and I thought, you know, that's not, I'll check it out. And uh, I haven't missed a day since I... I've seen your went, name. Went to my first Zazen, yeah. What brought I, you today? curiosity um and and wow i mean every single time i connect whatever it is i have a profound experience i think foremost of connection and compassion in, in the sangha mm -hmm. um and and i feel like the ideas uh are on top of that in a way um and they're interesting and i'm curious about them but it's the way that we interact with each other that it, it, i if i feel is something i a, a revelation to me uh, it's there's one of our chants there's a part that says entering deeply the merciful ocean of buddha's way Yes, the merciful ocean that really struck me one of those days. It's one of those things where every day I hear a different thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one day it was the merciful ocean. And I just thought, oh, wow, God, thank you. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for a long time. Good, good, good. good. I'm glad that you're um, allowing yourself to be uh, immersed in that. Thank you. I'm not sure I would have been able earlier in my life. Uh, I'm just grateful Me. that I am now. And I'm, I'm glad that you stepped forward because just coming forward, we can see your name, we can hear your name, we can see your face, we know something about what got you here, mm. uh, helps you step a little further into mm. this community that you're appreciating. And, and now we can hold you quite specifically. So thank you for doing oh, that. I feel, still feel a little bit of fear that I don't belong, you know, that I um, that I'm going to misstep or, you know, I don't know. I just, that, are you, you know, on, I'm, are you on gallery view where you see a bunch of people or the other kind no, of, no, I'm only seeing, uh, let me see if I, oh, I can do that. Go to gallery view. You got it. Yes. Okay. Now everyone that you can see, does anyone else ever feel like they don't belong? Raise your hand. <laughs> so you're in good company. Now you belong. <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you. Welcome, Jeanette. 
Um, I, I raised my hand for something completely different, but this feels precious. Oh. Um, and feel satisfied. Um, what's that? Do you feel satisfied or is there the, that other thing you wanted to say? I have another question, but I almost don't want to ask it now because this has been so beautiful and I, it's not going to go away. That question. Yeah. Rest, so, rest and what's nourishing now and we can get yeah. to that. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. There we go. Hey. Hi there. Hi, Clint. I, uh, I just wanted to share a moment. It um, happened today. I was reflecting on it just then when people were talking about, I think I met a really fierce teacher today. Ah. And it's just a small thing, but I'll share it because I feel, I feel like it's, um, it's an edge again. Mm -hmm. So um, my youngest daughter, Ruby, uh, works in a stables in a place over by Grange, it's uh, South Lakes. It's a lovely part of the world with a slack. So I head out to pick her up from work. Her mum takes her to work. Is this close to where you are in Lancashire? Or well, Cumbria? It's, it's, it's Cumbria, but it's about a, a 40 minute drive out of the city, up the motorway into these really beautiful lanes for the last sort of, I guess the last sort of five, 10 minutes of the journey. And you can see all the, the, all the, all the grass and the daffodils and the snowdrops and these trees which have crunched down with the storms and ah, anyway. And it's horse world, it's walker's world, it's bike world. So the lanes are quite narrow. The mm. lanes are quite narrow. And I go in England, are you kidding? <laughs> I go three or four times a day, you know, three or four times a week to collect her. And I've been going for about 10 years, not as frequently, but more recently she, she works there now. She, she doesn't just have lessons. So I feel my whole body relax as I, I, I do this journey. Um, it's the sky, it's on the West Coast. So the sun's often just setting and the clouds are beautiful. So it's part of my practice is going to pick up Ruby. Yes. yes. There's also near the, near the stables, it's called Witherslack. There's a school uh, called uh, Oversands. And at around five o'clock when I'm heading toward there, all the teachers are leaving this school in their cars. So on these little lanes and it's, it's, it, there are tight bends and you can't see necessarily what is around the corner. <laughs> so I'm heading down. <laughs> going quite slowly because there could be a horse, could be a person, could be a, a car. Lo and behold, a car is, is, is coming quite quickly, maybe 25, not too fast because these are, you know, but I'm doing 15. And next minute we, we stop quickly, two meters bumper to bumper off. So we don't touch. And then the person in the other car starts to point at me saying, go back, go back, go back. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. We need to just calm down. Let's just calm down. So I don't do anything. I just say, hang on. And the person, again, is gesturing for me to drive backwards. Only, I don't know, 10 meters to a little bay where we can get past each other. And I wound the window down and said, <clears throat> and I can feel the mist coming up. I can feel this. This is, this is, how, why do I have to go back? Why can't you go back? <laughs> and I just said, okay, 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 okay. But please do not tell me what to do. I'm going back, but do not tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so I drive back and they, they just pull off. They don't even wave, there's no hellos. And often when you do this journey, people do, and you have lovely waves. You know, you go by five miles an hour past each other. And there's another car that waited further back who I passed and I just put the thumbs up and they put the thumbs up. But then I realized this, this great saying that um, everybody is fighting a struggle you know nothing about. Be kind always. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why that person really wanted to get moving. I had no idea. Maybe they were going to a funeral. Maybe the child's poorly. But we, we, it, all of a sudden, it's Ukraine and Russia. It's, it's kind of like there's this real mist. And then I realize um, 
Um, so the edges, I didn't realize until now that saying, um, remember, everybody's fighting a struggle you know nothing about. Be kind always. Because when I present at the stables, I want to complain and say, oh, this driver, I'm right. I'm, they're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> That's the attachment part. Yep. That's the attachment. So thank you just for sharing. <laughs> taking us into the beautiful countryside. I feel nourished by just <laughs> hearing that. And I look forward to being with you okay. in the distant future. Okay. Okay. Love to uh, all. Thank you. Thank you. And I see that we're at the end of our time. Uh, I won't be able to speak to Rosemary, Rosemary, but we'll, we'll have another time. So let's uh, recite the four practice principles together as we complete and hear them as a reflection of these teachings. Okay. I'm caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, Life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you, you all for your beautiful presence and for your wonderful engagement. And Jessica? Thank you, everyone. Apamata's programs and facilities are brought about because of your generosity and um, your generosity makes a huge difference. So thanks for all that you do and all that you bring. If you'd like to make a contribution via the website, you can do that. I'll put it in the chat here. It's at apamata.org slash contribute. And if you'd like to uh, chat for a bit afterwards, I'm gonna hand over uh, the hosting to our Maven Maria and you're welcome to stay and um, be together online. Thank you.